You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. We're continuing to to, uh, learn about waking up spiritually, waking up spiritually, which is all about... As I've said, and, and you're going to hear me say it for at least a couple more weeks, it's all about stepping out of our spiritual slumber. You know, refusing to allow the busyness of life or other distractions to keep us from actively engaging in life with God. Last week, we learned that, that God is speaking to us all the time. God is speaking all the time to us through Scripture, through His people, through His Spirit. But most importantly, God has spoken to us through his son. And on Thursday, I was with the men, and we were talking about... (laughs) With the men, we were talking about some of the things that God has communicated to the world through Jesus. Through God, uh, through Jesus, God has communicated who he is. So through Christ, we come to know that, that God is love. We come to know that, which means that he's selfless, putting sinful people ahead of himself. We learn that he's merciful, that he forgives us without limit. We learn that he's generous, giving himself to us to provide life for us. We learn through Christ that God is faithful to us, that God never leaves us or gives up on us. That's just a few of the things that God has communicated to us through Jesus. Through Jesus, God has also communicated who we are. Because through Jesus, we come to know that we're valuable to God, that we're forgiven, that we're loved by God, and we're blessed by God's generosity, that we're not alone in this world. And through Jesus, God has also communicated to us what life is about. Through Jesus, we come to know that we're called to live a life of love in the same way that we've been loved by God. We're called to trust in God's provision. And in his power, we're called to uh, be merciful as God is merciful. We're called to be generous as God is generous. We're called to be faithful to one another, whether that means our spouse or whether that means being devoted and diligent in our work or devoted to our church family. These are just some of the things that God communicates to us through Jesus. And as God showed us last week, everyone can hear his voice. Everyone can hear his voice by learning to identify his voice from all of the other messages that come at us every day. You know, I'm not going to offer you $100 uh, this week, but we did an exercise where we just, it helped us understand that how, how many messages were, our lives are bombarded with every day. And as we learn to discern God's voice amongst all the other messages that come at us every day, we can learn all of the things that God has spoken to us through his son. And as we live in an active daily relationship with God, uh, Scripture, His people, and the Spirit continue to remind us and affirm what God has made clear about Himself through His Son. And today I want to talk to you about the freedom that you gain when you actively engage in life with God. When you actually wake up from your spiritual slumber and, and lean into God, I want to talk to you about the freedom that you gain when you do that. Now this isn't a works thing. You don't gain freedom from your sin by you know, devoting yourself more to God. God is the one who's provided forgiveness from sin as an act of his grace. But there's so much more freedom that you gain from God when you engage in life with him on a daily basis. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard the message of salvation. 
Uh, you've, you've heard that God has forgiven your sins, and perhaps you've even accepted God's forgiveness, but this morning as you sit there, you still don't really feel like you're living. Perhaps you'd even say that you continue to deal with things such as guilt and shame. In fact, you feel like you carry guilt and shame around like a heavy burden because you know that you don't do the things that God wants you to do in this life, and so you carry around a lot of guilt and shame for that. Perhaps you uh, are continually gripped with fear and anxiety. Even though you've put your faith in God, you still deal with a lot of fear and anxiety. Well, I, wanna, I hope you'll come to understand this morning that while Jesus provided freedom from the penalty of sin, there are a number of other ways that God provides freedom in life that come only as we engage in life with him on a daily basis. And so this morning, I want to share with you three of the ways that we find freedom in life when we live in a relationship with God. And so I'm just going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to speak to us this morning. God, we thank you that we can gather together here this morning. We thank you that you have brought us together, that you've united us as your church through your Son, God. Uh, but God, as we continue to lean into our relationship with you, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would speak to us again and that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand who you are and what you want to do in our lives this morning, we pray. And we pray for all of those that aren't with us this morning that are dealing with sickness, God. We just pray that they would uh, be healed, Lord, and that they'd recover quickly, God, so they can be with us again. But lead us this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So as I said, there, there are three types of freedom that God, that you gain when you live in an active daily relationship with God. I hope you'll understand this morning how important our, it is to our faith that we actually relate to God on a regular basis and, and listen to his voice. And the first freedom that you gain when you actively engage in life with God is freedom from fear and anxiety. Freedom from fear and anxiety. There are a number of experiences that we can have in life that are extremely enjoyable, which would be absolutely terrifying if we didn't have someone who is in control alongside us, right? I've always thought that it would be awesome to travel across Canada on via rail, on a train, you know, see some parts of the country that uh, you don't see any other way, you know, go through the, the, the you know, right through the mountains, uh, you know, out in BC, and, and that would be an absolutely amazing experience. However, if you were to just find yourself on a moving train, and you were the only one in control of it, would that be a fun experience? Now, I would be gripped with fear and anxiety if all of a sudden I found myself on a moving train and I was the one responsible to control that train. And when Raul and I were newly married, we, we did a short uh, little cruise together just for a few nights. And it was amazing, though. We had a great time. But again, imagine how terrifying it would be it, only to wake up and realize that you were on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean, but you were the only one on the ship, and you were responsible for navigating or driving a ship, piloting a ship, right? Eric, you should know these things. Yeah. Navigating, okay, right? But wouldn't that be terrifying? You know, all of a sudden to realize that you were the one in control of that. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity to go cod fishing in Newfoundland. And at one point, we were out in the ocean on only a 20-foot uh, little fishing boat, which 20 feet long is big if you're, you know, in like one of the little lakes in the Corthus. But when you're out in the ocean, this is not a very large boat. And uh, there were times where we were in waves where the waves were at least three times higher than the boat itself. 
right? And, and, and if I were out there on my own, again, it would be absolutely terrifying, but I was with someone who had been on the water their entire life. And so even though it could have been a terrifying situation, I was at peace and had a great time. You might be familiar with another boat story in the Bible. Uh, when Jesus' disciples were also on a boat and they found themselves in a terrifying situation, not because they didn't have someone who could steer the ship. I, I, I think they probably went on the boat with someone who knew how to, you know, uh, navigate the boat or, or guide the boat. But because the ship was in a storm that was beyond even the control of even the ship's captain. And so as you can imagine, they were absolutely terrified. And if you know the story, you know that they woke up Jesus to express their concern. And Jesus simply got up and he spoke to the storm and everything was calm. And then after all was said and done, the disciples' response was, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And it was in their answer that they revealed the source of their fear in the first place. They didn't understand that God was present with them in the boat. They, they didn't understand that God himself was present with them in the boat. And this puts a finger on exactly why we struggle with fear and anxiety. Because we fail to understand that, that God who created the universe is present with us in life. And we talked about how, how when we put our trust in him, God actually becomes present in our lives through the Holy Spirit. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what this is saying is that we find freedom from fear and anxiety when we live in an active daily relationship with God. Because we're reminded in doing so that God isn't just distant. He's not just something that we believe in, but he's present in our lives and he is in control. And, and as we take our challenges to God, trusting that he loves us and is in control, it says that we find freedom from the fear and anxiety that so often plagues our lives. You may say, well, I'm just an anxious person. And that's true. You may have the propensity towards worry. But that just means that this is all the more important for you because we all have propensities towards something. And God has called us into a relationship with him in order to free us of the things that enslave us in this life. And so God wants you to find freedom from your fear and anxiety. And that comes as you live in an active daily relationship with him. And that becomes a choice then to, 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 to talk to him every day and to hear his voice, whether that's through reading scripture, through people that he's placed in your life, to be encouraged that, that God is with you and he loves you and he's in full control. Next thing that we find freedom from when we live in a relationship with God is freedom from guilt and shame. We all have rules in our homes, right? Put up your hand if you have any rules in your homes. They might not be on a list, uh, but put up your hand really high, you know, if you have a list of rules. Uh, but I'm sure we all have, you know, even unspoken rules that everyone knows about in your home. And what's the purpose of having rules in your home? Is it so that your kids can become part of the family? You know, follow these rules so that you can be part of this family. No, you, you have rules in your home because you love your children. Because you love your children. 
You have rules to protect your children, to protect the relationships within your family, to teach your kids to know how to treat others, because you want to help your children develop character that will result in a successful life, right? The purpose is not so that they can become a part of your family. Well, similarly, God created rules or laws for humanity. Laws that you may be familiar with. The big ones, the Ten Commandments, right? Laws such as, you know, do not steal, do not covet, honor your father and your mother, and so on. And God's laws themselves are not bad. They teach us to know the difference between right and wrong, and they teach us to avoid things that would otherwise destroy our lives and our relationships with one another. However, there's a struggle that comes from knowing God's laws, isn't there? Because we continually find ourselves doing the very things that we know God tells us not to do. Whether that's wanting things that we don't have, or simply being downright selfish and impatient with others. So while God's laws help us to know the difference between right and wrong, they also make us all too aware of, too well too aware of our sin, continually reminding us of how far we miss God's desire for our lives. And so this awareness of how far we fall from God's desire for our lives can fill, fill us with feelings of guilt and of shame, feelings of failure, feelings of unworthiness before God. And even worse, our feelings or our sense of failure can cause us to withdraw from God and the church itself. The Apostle Paul knew this struggle all too well, and listen to how he explains it in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 24. He says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in, in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in, within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Can you ever relate to that? You know, you come to church, you're like, God, I want to follow you. I want to do what is right. And then like right away, you find yourself fighting with your kids on the way home. You're like, God, I lost my patience already. And you feel terrible. But Paul doesn't end there. He explains that while we all struggle with sin, God sent his son not to condemn us for our sins but to remove our guilt by giving his life and forgiving our sins through the cross. And so he goes on in Romans 8, 1 to 2 to say, therefore, because of what God has done, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And when Paul says there's no condemnation in Christ, it means that because of God's mercy in Christ, there's no damnatory sentence issued upon us any longer. We're no longer pronounced guilty by God or sentenced as one who is guilty for our sins. Even though we are lawbreakers, God has set us free from our sin. And so he came to set us free from the guilt and shame of sin because that's who God is. He's loving, and he's merciful. And that's who he's always been. Even in the Old Testament, listen to how David describes God in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 10. He says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. 
You need to know that God is a loving and merciful God who loves us because we're his children, not because we have to earn his love. Do you ever find yourself forgetting that about God, though? Do you ever find yourself forgetting who God is? You know you've forgotten who God is when you find yourself filled with guilt and shame and pulling away from him because of something that you've done. But the thing is, when we engage in a relationship with God, when we, when we actively engage in life with him on a daily basis, we're freed from guilt and shame. Because we're continually reminded that God's mercy is without limit. We're, con- we're continually reminded who he is, and he speaks into our life to remind us of his mercy. And then when we do sin, instead of running away from God, we should run towards him because we know him so well and we know that there's no safer place than in the arms of God. And so when we live in an active daily relationship with God, we find freedom from fear and anxiety, guilt and shame. And finally, we find freedom from enslavement to sin. I've spoken with a number of parents before who have told me that And when they move their child from a crib to a bed, there have been mornings where they go in and they find their child just sitting in their bed and not leaving their bed because they don't realize the freedom that they now have since being removed from, you know, a bed with bars around it, right, into a bed that doesn't have bars around it. They just don't realize the freedom that they've been given, which, yes, works really well for parents, and I think they actually celebrate the fact that their, their child will still sit in bed even though there's nothing to actually keep them in there. But unfortunately, we act that way all too often when God frees us from sin. You know, Jesus gave his life to free us from the penalty of sin, opening the door to God, opening the door to life. But Jesus did more than open the door to God. He also came to lead us out of a life of sin that enslaves us. Yet how many of us accept what Christ has done to remove the penalty of sin while remaining in the very sin that he came to free us from? In the Bible, this behavior is compared to a dog returning to its vomit, which is something that dogs are known to do. Anyone have a dog? I won't ask you if that's what your dog does. But it's something that dogs are known to do. They get sick, and, so they, and then they throw up what made them sick, but then they go right back And they eat the very thing that made them sick in the first place. You ready for lunch? In Romans 6.16, Paul wrote, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we need to understand that when we choose sin in our lives, you're giving control of your life over to sin. You actually become a slave to sin, and the payout for working for sin or giving your life over to sin is destruction. Allow me to explain. When you refuse to forgive someone, you're you're remaining in the prison that God freed you from, and you become a slave to hatred and resentment. It absolutely consumes your life, your emotional, your mental, your spiritual energy is consumed by the thing that you've actually given yourself over to. When you choose to live for yourself and be greedy, or when you covet what you don't have, you become a slave to discontentment, and your life is robbed of joy because you have given yourself over to that thing. When you, when you, when your life, when you elevate yourself in life to seek your own glory, you enslave yourself to pride, 
Or as we even spoke about earlier, when you trust in yourself rather than God, you become a slave to fear and anxiety. And if you allow yourself to become enslaved or remain enslaved by those things, you're, you're, it's not that God hasn't already opened the door between you and him to bring you into a relationship with him, but you've enslaved yourself to things that God has tried to lead you out of to give you life, and, and then your life's energy are sapped by the very things that you allow to master you. Even though God has freed us from the penalty of our sins, he's also called us to live free from the bondage of our sin. So this is why it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and what he's talking about there is, since we've seen through people that follow God throughout history, people who have been faithful, since we've seen the benefits uh, in people's lives who have followed God in faith, he says, let's throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And what he's saying is, you know, Jesus has shown us the freedom to live life to the full. But in order to step out of, you know, the life that is enslaving you, you need to keep your eyes on Christ and, and push off all of those other things that are destroying you and step out of the prison that you've, you've been living in up until this point and follow in Jesus' path because he will lead you in a life of freedom that leads you and uh, benefits you through blessing your life with joy. And living in an active relationship with God, it brings us freedom from the enslavement to sin because in doing so, we're taking control of our lives away from sin. And we're handing authority over to God and asking him to lead us each day as we engage in a relationship with him. We're saying, God, show me what, what, what ways in my life are sinful. Show me the things in my life that are destroying me and lead me in the way of truth so that I can leave this life of sin and be blessed by following you. And so as we engage in a relationship with God, he helps us find freedom from fear and anxiety. He helps us find freedom from guilt and shame, and he helps us to find freedom from being enslaved to sin itself. Because while he's freed us from the penalty of sin through Christ, freedom from these things, it comes through a relationship with God himself. And so we need to step out of our spiritual slumber where we just say, oh yeah, it's great that God has forgiven my sins and then going on living our lives as though God really doesn't even exist. And saying, you know what, if I want to embrace the life that God has made available through Christ, I need to wake up from my spiritual slumber and actively engage in life with him so that I can be reminded who he is and what he said about himself what he, who he said about who we are as his creation, what he said about what our purpose in this life is, and then actively allow him to get involved in our lives and lead us in the way of truth each day. And so if you haven't done so, so far this fall, I mean, week after week, we're, we're talking about the importance of waking up and engaging in life with God. If you haven't done so this morning, I want to challenge you to step out of your spiritual slumber. And to understand that God is a loving God who has not only rescued you just from the penalty of sin, you know, for the afterlife, but he actually wants to lead you in a life of freedom here and now. And he calls you into an active relationship with him each day where you talk to him and you hear his voice and you allow him to guide your life. Would you stand with me as we pray in closing?
God, we thank you that you have spoken to us through your word. We thank you that you do speak to us, that you communicate to us, God, through your son and through your people and through your spirit, God. And, and we know that you are speaking even now as we open your word and ask you to speak to us. And God, every time you speak, when we listen, our lives are dramatically changed. And so my, my prayer is that people would hear your voice this morning through the power of your spirit, God. And God, we wouldn't just hear what you're saying to us and go home, but God, that we would take what you're saying to heart, that you're a loving and merciful God who who has freed us from sin and called us to step out of a life of sin that enslaves us and to listen to your voice and allow you to guide us, God, and find freedom, whether that means freedom from the fear and anxiety that's been gripping our lives, the guilt and shame, or any other form of sin, God, that has been enslaving our lives, God. We ask you to forgive us and to lead us in the way of truth this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.